Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Acknowledge Dogs Podcast. I am your host, Michael, owner and head trainer at matadorcanine.com. You can head over to matadorcanine.com and schedule a free consultation today. We can get you started doing some virtual online coaching for you and your dog. Build the strength and bond that you want and fix all those problem behaviors. Reach your goals at matadorcanine.com. Hey guys, today we are talking about keeping your dog accountable. I've talked in other podcasts about how when we're doing obedience, when we're doing any kind of work with our dogs, we need to keep them accountable. Okay, and I don't mean as the, the leader, they have to listen to us and we're, we're going to be dominant over the dog. What I'm saying is there are some situations in which handlers or dog owners or trainers will let a dog slide. Okay, and we've talked about consistent expectations before. If you let your dog slide in some scenarios, they pick up on this and they go, okay, well, in those scenarios, I'm going to listen. And in other scenarios, I'm not going to listen. So we have to keep our expectations the same. When we keep our expectations the same, we get the same result. We keep the variable the same. We keep the rules the same. Everything is the same, no matter where we are, what we're doing, to what extent the excitement is, whatever's going on, can be disregarded. The only thing that is consistent is the rules, the op- opportunity for reinforcement, and the consistency of the handler making sure the dog performs the behavior that's being asked. So I'm going to talk today about three different ways to keep your dog accountable. Now, for those who have listened on my channel, you know that I primarily use positive reinforcement. And at all costs, I will exhort all forms of positive reinforcement. However, there is a small group of dogs that would benefit from slight corrections in a very brief period of training. Now, the reason I preface this episode with saying that is because I know many people feel strongly one way, strongly the other way, or are stuck in the middle as balanced trainers. I am not any of those things. I use science to determine what I do with a dog. However, there are ethics involved, and there is morality involved. And we are asking dogs to do things that they would not naturally do. We ask them to search buildings, we ask them to do agility, and although they find those things fun, it is not part of their life's purpose to do those things. So it's our responsibility to make these things as enjoyable as humanly possible. So without further ado, let's jump into the three ways to keep your dog accountable. The first way to keep your dog accountable is to implement errorless learning. That was a hard word to say this morning. Errorless learning. What is errorless learning? It is setting up a training plan with such small steps that there is a minimal amount of chances where your dog could get the opportunity wrong or get the behavior wrong. So, if you're doing obedience, you would strictly work on sit. You're going to work on sit and get the precision down. Then you're going to split and work on latency. 
Then you're going to split and work on speed. Then you're going to work on distance and duration. And then you're going to start working on distraction. You're going to slightly move from inside towards the front yard, to the backyard, to the park, to the store, and you're going to implement all these variables one by one. And if your dog struggles even slightly, you're going to take a step back and you're going to solidify those behaviors through a variable reward schedule before moving on to the next step. If you do this correctly, you minimize the amount of mistakes your dog makes. Why is this beneficial? The less mistakes your dogs make, the more confident they feel. Think about it in your own life. If you're learning the piano, and every time you hit the wrong key, you go, oh man, I messed up the song. So then you start the song all over again. And when you get up to that part where you're about to hit the wrong key, you start to panic a little bit. And you really focus on, okay, I'm not going to hit the wrong key, I'm not going to hit the wrong key. And because you're focused on not hitting the wrong key, you end up hitting the wrong key. But if you played the piece slower and you broke down the piece into measurements and different segments, you might have more success with piecing all of the music together. That way, when you get up to that part where you're like, okay, I know this is a tough key, but I'm confident that my fingers already know what to do. And so you hit the right note and you continue playing. The more you do that, the more confident you feel in playing the piano just like why people practice scales. You can play music all day, but if you can't practice scales and have an effortless transition between each note, the music isn't going to sound as good. So we break up those chunks into chords and progressions and scales and all that stuff. So errorless learning can be huge for not only boosting your dog's confidence, but actually expediting the process of training something that would take a long time. Because you have that confidence constantly being built, you have a long reinforcement history, and each step just grows on all of these other steps. So every time you go to the next step, everything before that gets tacked on to the new step. So let's say you're now working on training your dog to sit at the park. Well, you have sitting at home, sitting in the front yard, sitting in the backyard, and now sitting at the park. All of that stuff gets added onto this new sit. And your dog goes, okay, I have done sit so many times. All these different places, it's the exact same thing. I'm just going to sit. As opposed to never teaching them a sit, going to the park, expecting a sit, getting angry that they're not doing it, because, oh, well, they listened at home. It's not the same. It's not the same at all. So you have to basically teach them from square run. Now, you could say, okay, well, I'm going to teach my dog sit, and then I'm going to go straight to the park. And I'm just going to go back to square one, and I'm going to reteach them a sit. You can do that. And that's what I would expect you to do, despite where you're going. But if you jump from no distractions to very high distractions, you are going to get frustrated because your dog is not sitting the way you would expect them to. It's just not going to happen. And because of the distraction, they're not going to sit as fast. They're not going to sit with the same enthusiasm. And so it's easier to slowly introduce all that excitement. Now, the second way is follow through. So let's say you've done errorless learning, or you haven't, either way. And you tell your dog to sit, and they don't. Now, you need to get that behavior. You need to stay after the dog until you get that behavior. So what do you do? 
Well, you could walk up to them and you could put a treat in front of their nose and you could lure them into the sit. You could walk up to them, grab a hold of their collar and just wait. Right, you already told them to sit, so they've lost privileges of moving around and having freedom until they sit. A slight punishment. But the dog needs to understand that you will stay after them until they get the behavior. Now, the question is, do you reinforce the behavior even though they did not respond the first time or respond as fast? Well, that depends. If you're in a situation that's new to the dog and they failed because you failed them, right? You didn't teach them that this was exactly the same as inside or, you know, wherever, then it's your fault and you cannot blame the dog. So I would reward either way. Now, in the event that you have done this forever and the dog should have done the sit promptly and the expectations are there and they're just being lazy or they're just distracted for a second, then you could not give them a reward. What does this do? This teaches them that whether you tell them to do it or not, they still have to sit, especially if you've done a variable reward schedule. They should know that, and they should be okay with not getting a reinforcement every single time. But you can select the ones that you like. So if you told them to sit and they didn't do it promptly, now you have a dog that goes, oh man, well I missed my chance. And I'm anthropomorphizing here, but oh man, I didn't, I didn't get my reward because I was too slow. They might make that association. They might make an association to something else, but if they make an association to, well, I was too slow, the next time you tell them to sit, if they sit slightly faster, then you would reward them. They will then learn that faster sits get rewards, not slow sits, and they will adjust their behavior accordingly. But follow-through can get muddy. There is no need to correct your dog when we're talking about follow-through. Follow-through is simply staying after your dog until you get the behavior you asked for. I said sit, and now you have to sit. And when you do sit, I will give you all the praise and love in the world. But I can't do that unless you sit. And I cannot have you not listening to what I'm saying, because in some scenarios it might be life or death. Follow-through just means getting the behavior you asked for in the nicest means possible. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The last way to keep your dog accountable, and I prefaced this in the beginning, is corrections. Okay, Now, just because I don't use corrections doesn't mean you guys as my audience don't use corrections. So I did want to talk about it and go over it. But I limit corrections, and you should as well. You limit corrections because corrections put blame on the dog. And if you've listened to the episode about satire modes, 
you know that most of the time the dog is not the problem. It is because we didn't do enough training. It's because we weren't clear with our signal. There's other things that play into why our dogs don't listen. But in the event, there's a perfect scenario where your dog does not listen under a situation where they should have and you cannot get them to sit. A correction might be appropriate. And I say might be appropriate. Again, I cannot talk for every scenario and I cannot talk for you and your dog specifically. You as a professional or an experienced individual should determine whether it is an appropriate time to correct your dog or not. So when you're thinking about correcting your dog for not listening to a behavioral cue, first you need to go through, did I do errorless learning? It's first step. If I haven't, then I need to go back and do that because I'm not giving my dog a fair chance here and I'm just correcting them because they're not listening to me. That's an ego problem. Oh, my dog's not listening to me. No, you didn't teach your dog that listening to you is the best option. It's an ego problem. Am I following through with every behavior I ask for? If you are at home and you say sit and your dog doesn't do it, what happens? I've seen this countless times. Most individuals go, oh, well, you know, whatever. And then they never get to sit. What do you mean? You told the dog to sit. If you have a reason for telling your dog to sit, there's a reason for them to sit. And they should sit. And when they do sit, they get reinforced. So do not use your cues lackadaisically. If you want to have different cues for obedience-style sits and then casual sits, you can do that. Right? So you could say sit at home, just casual. And if you mess it up, then that word is that word, and it's gone. If you want to say seats, you could say seats during obedience, meaning I said sit like this is the one I will be accountable for. But you have to be very clear with both of those. Same thing with drop it. Right? You could say drop it at home, and it's the casual thing. And if you're doing bite work and you say los, your dog has to let go immediately because you're going to keep them accountable. So when is it appropriate to do corrections? You've gone through errorless learning. You've gone through the follow-through. And your dog is still not listening. There are other things you need to go through first before you administer that correction. Okay, number one, what's the scenario? What's going on? What's the situation? Who's around? Have we trained around these things before? Okay, is there birds around? Is there squirrels around? Are there kids around? Is there something I'm not perceiving? Is there something I'm not perceiving that my dog is? So now you look at your dog. Is there a medical problem? Mm, didn't think about that one, did you? My dog will not sit sometimes, and I'm aware of this. Why won't he sit? Because he has a hip issue. And if we're running a lot, his hip starts to hurt, and so he doesn't want to sit. So if I tell him sit, I'm not going to force him to do a sit by means of a correction. That would not be appropriate. That would be inhumane. He's clearly in pain because we were just running, and he needs a minute to relax his hip. And I understand that. So that would not be a means for correction. right? So if distractions, oh man, we got too many distractions. Well, you haven't worked around those distractions, so you can't correct your dog. What if there's a medical problem? Well, I can't distract, I can't correct my dog in that case. Have I done all the training necessary to get to this point without needing corrections? No, then it's not a means for giving a correction. 
So when is it a means for giving a correction? That's the thing. Is there a means for giving a dog a correction? Sure, you could use a correction to keep your dog accountable. But who's keeping you accountable? Man, we're getting deep. We're getting deep today. Right, if I tell you, okay, we'll correct your dog because you're not keeping them accountable. Right, they didn't do what you said, you gotta, you gotta correct them. Well, who's gonna correct you because you didn't do errorless learning? You haven't followed through with every behavior you've asked for. Am I gonna do it? Is your dog gonna do it? Who's going to keep you accountable? This is a deep conversation, guys. It's a deep conversation. You have to exhort every other measure before you decide, I'm going to correct a dog for not listening. Because if your dog isn't listening, it's most likely your fault. I won't say it is your fault. I'm saying most likely it is your fault. You have not taught them under these conditions, under that level of excitement, that listening is in their best interest. If it was in their best interest, they would do it. I remind myself constantly, oh man, I'm tired, I just, I can't get that project done. If that project meant that much, you'd get it done. Right? Oh, I'm so tired, I, I just, I can't read another chapter, but I could watch Netflix. So am I really tired? Or do I not have the right reinforcement? That's the other thing. Do you have your dog's preferred reinforcement? Did you do a preference test? Have you done an updated preference test because it's been a while? Right? Is there something medically going on with your dog in their stomach? Do they have an upset stomach? Do they need water and they're just not focused because they're thirsty? They're, they're beings. They're creatures. They have needs. <laughs> you know what I mean? And absolutely, if... It is a life or death situation. You need your dog to respond, regardless of whether they're thirsty, they want to chase something. Absolutely. But then that needs to be implemented in your training plan. If you know your dog is a thirsty dog, and after they run for five minutes, they're going to want to drink. When you go for a hike, you better have water with you. And you better use your recall to teach them that coming to you is where water is. Right? You can use water as a reinforcement. Nothing says that you can't. It might be messy, but you can use water as reinforcement. You can use ice as reinforcement, whatever you want to use. Although you don't want to crack your dog's teeth, so be careful with ice. You have to, you have to exhort all other measures before considering correcting your dog. Now, let's say, let's say in an absolutely perfect world, you exhorted all of these measures. Okay, you've trained this dog for months, years. You have gone through every single aspect that could possibly be a problem. And your dog just blatantly ignores you, <laughs> okay? Let's say that actually happens. In most cases, I would say it's not going to happen. There are other things that we can try, test, train, work through, split down, specifically work on, all those other things. But let's say in a perfect world, you've decided and you've had other people train your dog and say, okay, yeah, for whatever reason, they just 
they need to be corrected for not doing the behavior. Let's just say you have to administer a correction for hypothetical purposes. If you administer the correction and they do the behavior, good, reward them. The next time you give the cue for that behavior, do not put them back in the same situation. Because what is that going to lead to? Another correction. You need to change something about the variable or about the situation to where you can get the behavior you wanted. So if I was working with a reactive, reactive dog, and a dog supposed to listen at this stage, and it was doing well, something's going on, we've ruled out everything else that could possibly be a problem, and we've decided, okay, it needs a correction for this one instance. And we're at 100 feet from another dog. I administer the correction, I get the dog to sit, I reward the sit, we walk away. I do not go back to 100 feet. 110 feet more like it. We add distance. And instead of giving the cue, I'm going to use a treat, I'm going to lower the dog into the sit. I don't want to damage the cue because I haven't done the right training or we just had a, a miss up, a mistake. So instead of potentially damaging the cue, because now I would have said it twice and there's a possibility for my dog not listening, that's a problem. So I need to change it. Once is a mistake, twice is a trend, three times is a habit. Think about it like that. Once is a mistake, twice is a trend, three times is a habit. If your dog messes up once, okay, it's a mistake, we try again. If they mess up twice, We've now created a trend. There's something going on. There's something that's creating this problem. And if we let it happen a third time, we are now starting to develop a habit. You do not want your dog to develop these bad habits. So the second time you realize something's going on, stop, change something. If you can catch it the first time, that's even better. That way you don't even get a trend. So you add more distance, you work in less of a distraction, you pull out higher value treats, whatever it is. The other problem with using a correction in this case would be your dog starts to think, and again, I'm anthropomorphizing here, your dog starts to think, well, I don't have to listen until there's a correction. I can be free and do exactly what I want up until the point where I get corrected. Then I have to listen for the remainder of the day. That's a problem. Now you've developed a problem where your dog will listen 50% of the time, and if you correct them, they'll listen 100% of the time for a short period of time. That's not going to be a long-term fix, and every day you're going to have to correct your dog, and every day you're going to have a problem. And your dog will start to push more buttons. Oh, well, I'm not kept accountable for some things, and then I get corrected, and now I'm accountable. And now now we're just we're we're going back and forth between positive reinforcement and positive punishment. And where sit was supposed to mean if you sit, you get something. It means sit either means reward or punishment. And for some dogs they find it very confusing and they don't know which is which. Right? If your phone goes off and sometimes it's a good message from somebody, and sometimes it's an annoying email, you don't really care. That sound now becomes neutral. You go, all right, it means something. I don't know what it means. Now i got to look. 
but if you set a specific sound for text message and a specific sound for email, one is going to have one association and one is going to have another. If you really enjoy text messaging, the text messaging sound is going to be reinforcing to you. You're going to get this short spike in dopamine every time you hear the notification. And if the notification for the email goes off, you're probably going to start to do one of two things. Either you're going to hear the notification and you're going to get angry or stressed or angst. Or you're going to drown that notification out in search for more reinforcement, which is what I tend to do. I will not hear my phone under certain conditions because my brain is more focused on the reinforcement in life that I'm getting rather than the discomfort I'm going to experience from having to answer something on my phone. Whatever it may be. It's not just emails. But the onflux of spam that I get creates stress and anger in my brain when I hear the notification for those spam. So we do not want to create confusion about a behavior simply because we want to correct our dog to get them to do it this second, this instant. I want it right now. That's reinforcing to you. We have to prolong that reinforcement. Errorless learning, follow through, and if everything has been tried, tested, proven, video recorded, and reviewed under all those conditions, if you have seriously done all that, then maybe, just maybe, you correct your dog. And I hope most of you go through all of that and realize that you don't actually need to correct your dog. You don't have to. There's other things that you should and could do that would result in not having to correct your dog. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador K9. You can also head over to Matador K9 and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens.